Thank you, Joel. If you have your Bibles and you can open them again to 1 Samuel chapter 23, we'll stay right here in this passage of Scripture for the message today as I preach on the subject, What is a Hero? What is a Hero? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless in the preaching of your word. Lord, I feel so honored to have these men and ladies who serve us And Lord, I thank you for them, and I pray that today's service will be an encouragement to them. But Lord, it will also cause us to be reminded of the importance of praying for them each day and leading our children to do the same. And now, Lord, the preaching of your word, I believe the message is important, and I believe it's applicable for every life and every person here today. And I pray that you'd help my mind, Lord, to rest in you. And Lord, my confidence to be in you. And fill me with your spirit as I preach. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I love how there are places in the word of God that are helpful, that are instructive and applicable for every situation and time in our lives. We can always look to the word of God for guidance and examples for any situation even in this day, in this very hour that we live in. In our text passage, we find a people uh, that are being attacked and taken advantage of by a rogue group uh, called the Philistines. David is the up-and-coming young leader of the Jewish nation, and he leads a group of men to defend these uh, Hebrews here in uh, the little town of Kilah. And he works to protect them from the pillaging of these rogue bandits that are coming in to take what they have. When I think of David and his mighty men, as the Bible calls them in the chapter before, I think of those that are represented here today in what we call our first responders, David and his mighty men. And when there ever there is a tragedy, uh, when there is an attack with the, as there was on 9-11, uh, when there is an emergency or life-threatening situation, uh, we are blessed in America to be able to call our first responders. We're very blessed people. And I've preached in other countries around the world, and uh, I want us to know uh, we are a blessed people to have the, that privilege and opportunity. Now the story is very simple here. You have David and his mighty men. They go in to protect this little town of Kilah against these rogue bandits that are coming to take what they have. But the context makes the story much more valuable and it helps us to understand sometimes what our first responders face today. At this time in the nation of Israel, there was a great division among the people. There just was. Saul was the king, and Saul was a good king, but Saul had disobeyed God in some ways, and God was blessing David. In fact, Saul had helped David. If you remember, he offered him his armor when he went to fight against the Philistine giant Goliath. And uh, David loved the same people that Saul did, 
but there came a jealousy between King Saul and the up and rising young leader by the name of David. And without going into great detail, when you study the nation of Israel at this day, the land was divided politically. The land was divided in philosophy. In many cases, it was divided even within the very homes of the same people. Saul not only is jealous of David, he's out to get David. It's much like stories that we read today of political arguments back and forth and all of that. He's jealous of David and the, and, and the people's love for David. In fact, his jealousy has become, become so strong. He's uh, trying to kill David and he's trying to kill his mighty men. And that's why they said in verse number 4 that they had a fear uh, going into the town of Kila uh, to protect them. Now David is desiring to do the will of the people. Uh, he is desiring to do the will of God. He wants to do the right thing, but he's caught right in the middle of not only this division and divisiveness in the nation, he sees a need and he desires to meet that need. It's not right for the Philistines to come in and take what the uh, nation of Israel and this little town of Kila of what they have. Now, sadly, this morning, America has become a divided nation in many ways. We're divided in culture, mainly because we've left our roots and we've left our foundation of faith in God. That's not the purpose of the message today, but when you leave what unites us, you have division. And what made America a great nation was our faith in God. And we have a divided nation in many ways. Uh, we have those that love the blue. We have those that cry, defund the police. We have those that support our first responders and those that do not. And we have the servants of the people. Their desire is, as David's was in our text, they just want to help the people. They just want to meet their needs. The truth is no one asks or cares if the ambulance driver is a Democrat or Republican. Nobody asks or cares what the skin color or the race or ethnicity of the police officer or the EMS worker when they come. We just know that there's a need. And there are those that have trained and prepared and answered the call and committed themselves to meet those needs. It's interesting to note as we read these first few verses of 1 Samuel 23 that David sees the need. He desires to protect the people of Kila, And his biggest obstacle is not really the Philistines that he's going to fight against. It's the division in the nation that brings difficulty to the mighty men that are serving with him. Now I want to make this statement. I want you to hear me well. You and I must support. We must pray for. We must love these people who are our servants that give of themselves to protect and serve us in a time of division in a time of, 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 of foolish and useless arguments, we need to support these folks that serve us. David put aside all concerns for himself. And he led a group of servants to protect and save the people of Kila. What a hero David was. In his book, Up from Slavery, Booker T. Washington wrote, I have learned that success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying 
to succeed. You see, young David, he had been considered an outlaw now for 10 years. He had fought the Lord's battles. He had delivered Israel not only from Goliath, uh, the Philistine, he had delivered them again and again. David lived with his faithful men in forsaken places. He often had to flee for his own life and found himself in desperate and difficult circumstances. But he had given himself, as he was a shepherd to love his sheep, he had given himself as a young leader and soon to be the king to give himself for the people of Israel. Now David's coronation was not only important to the people of Israel, it's important to all of us, to all the people of God, for it was out of David's family that the Redeemer would ultimately come, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David and the son of God. The city of Kilah was a border town in Judah. It was about 12 miles from the Philistine city of Gath, so situated close to the enemy. It's interesting, and, I, and I, I don't expect you to see all of the picture, but if you read chapter 22, you would find yourself uh, seeing that political division and that divisiveness going on in the nation. And you don't care who's in charge. You just see people that are in need. You see uh, fires that uh, somebody needs to go to. You see folks that are sick and folks that are hurting that you want to help and be a blessing to. And you, in some cases, uh, uh, live to save their life or to protect their life. That's what David faced and that's what his mighty men faced as they were in this situation. Now, I don't want you to miss this statement. As David's spies reported that the Philistines were attacking Kilah, David paused to determine the will of God. I want everybody to look at verse number two. I want you to listen to this verse as I read it. As I read it. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. May I say, not only should our first responders have a personal relationship with Christ so that they can personally inquire of the Lord. The Bible says, he said, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Kilah. You know what he's saying here? And you'll read in that next verse, some of his men said, we're afraid. But we live in a divided country. Uh, we're afraid not just as we uh, uh, fight against the Philistines to save the city. Uh, we have Saul that's after us trying to kill us, a part of our own people. And David decides we're going to do what's right to do in the sight of God. Not only should our first responders have a personal relationship with Christ that you can call on the Lord. You and I need to be faithful in praying for these. Every time you see a car or a truck or every time you hear a siren, every time you see them, you ought to be reminded we need to pray for those that serve us. I believe there are three things that define a hero. First of all, a hero is responsive. Second of all, heroism is risky, but real heroism is rewarding. Nearly 3,000 people lost their lives on 9-11-2001. Of those, 411 were emergency workers. First responders ran toward the danger while others ran away. You may have heard of Lieutenant Joe Torello. How many of you ever heard that name, Joe Torello? 
thought of you had. What an amazing story. Joe Torillo was on a PR job with the fire department that morning. He had worked there close to the Twin Towers, but currently was not stationed there. He was at another station, and he was going to promote a, a, uh, a superhero doll image of a firefighter when all of a sudden a plane hit the first tower. And it was obvious that our nation was under some type of attack. Joe Torillo was just wearing a suit as he was going to meet reporters and cameras. Joe Torillo did not have his firefighting equipment on, but having been stationed there before, he knew the men and they knew him, and he went inside and he borrowed firefighting equipment, and he put on another man's hat and coat and equipment. While folks were fleeing and running away, Joe Torillo ran toward the building, working to get people out to their safety. While he was in the building, it collapsed. Joe Torillo found himself covered in a pile of steel and concrete rubble. He suffered fractures to his skull, to his neck and spine, but he was still alive. Joe said, I was buried in the darkness. He said, I could hear others yelling in the debris. The screams turned to crying. The crying quietened to whimpers. And the whimpers gave way to silence. One by one, they all died. And he said, here I was, still alive. He was finally dug out by rescuers who could hear the beeping of his firefighter oxygen equipment. Lieutenant Torillo was taken to a boat on the Hudson River and he heard them saying that he could die. He would talk about survivor's guilt. He said, I question why would God not let him go to heaven with his fellow firefighters? He said, I even had the thought, I'm not good enough to die with my brothers. Now he believes that he was saved for a reason. So he could tell others the stories to make sure a grateful nation will never forget. And he said, and I quote, on a day when buildings fell, heroes rose. We will never forget their sacrifice. There is no challenge too risky or too hard for first responders. In the face of terrorism, they chose patriotism. In the face of fear, they chose heroism. When he was in the hospital, he was unconscious. All they knew was the name on the back of his coat. It wasn't his name. They were searching for, of course, family, friends, heroes like Lieutenant Joe Torillo. It wasn't until days later that they realized, when they asked and when they began to search in hospitals uh, for the whereabouts of Lieutenant Joe Torillo, knowing that he was headed toward that area for a, a PR, for a press conference, for the fire department, knowing he was there and they were searching for him, there was no one that had seen or heard of anything of Joe Torillo because he had on another hero's coat and name.
It was not for a week that they learned about it. You see, heroes don't run from the danger. They run to help people from the danger. And how sad it is that we quickly forget. Those of you my age and older, maybe just a little younger, you remember where you were on that day, September 2001. We remember how we felt as America voluntarily came to a screeching halt. We put the baseballs in the gloves and we laid them aside. And we all prayed. I remember as I asked Brother Young to bring the school out to the front yard and we gathered around the flag in the front yard of the church there on Clay's Mill Road and we would have prayer at 9 and 9.15 in the morning and we would pray for our nation. Folks would stop as they were going up and down the road. They would come and join us in prayer. I ask you folks, is it going to take another tragedy to get us to forget all of the reasons of division and foolishness and understand what we really need is to come together by faith in God? I believe it's a part of my duty as a preacher of the gospel. I believe it's a part of my duty as a father and an American citizen and a patriot. I believe it's a part of your duty to teach this generation who our real heroes are. I love sports. I always go to bed early on Saturday night. I couldn't go to sleep last night. My wife was watching a football game. I love sports. I love talent. But heroes are not people who can play a game or display a talent. Heroes are people who sacrifice to meet a genuine need of others. We need not only first responders who are servants of others. We need Christians who see the spiritual needs of our nation. The spiritual need of every single person coming to know Christ as Savior. For you understand, according to the Bible... If a person dies in their sin, according to Revelation chapter 20, if they die in their sin, and according to Luke chapter 16, they would open their eyes in the burning flames and fires of hell. We wouldn't want that to happen to our worst enemy, let alone to a friend or a family member. And I want to say this morning, every single person can be a part of the team of first responders by telling others, our faith needs to be placed in Christ for salvation for it is he and he alone that died on the cross to pay for our sin. And it is only by grace through faith in Christ that folks can be born again. It's our job. It's our duty. It's our responsibility to tell others that Christ and Christ alone can save. Real heroism is responsive. Heroes respond to the needs of the people. Oh, I know all of the jokes, my family being police officers, I know all the jokes about the police officers and the firemen sitting around waiting for something to happen. I know when the lights come on that there's something connected between that donut sign that says fresh donuts and those lights on the car, they seem to come on at the same time. You can laugh. 
I know all of those jokes. And I, I've enjoyed having fun. A preacher pulled over a police officer for speeding. And he said, I got you. And the preacher said, I got here as quick as I could. <laughs> My dad was coming to the hospital years ago. He was in Stanton, that stretch of road. Got to watch out for police officers there because that's the first straight stretch when you come out of the mountains. And it's the first opportunity to see if you can get good gas mileage at a good speed. A police officer was sitting there one morning. My dad was coming. He waved at everybody my dad did growing up in the mountains. About a half a mile later, a police officer pulled him over, and my dad said, I didn't need anything. I'm just waving at you. He said, I didn't stop you because you waved. He said, I stopped you because you were speeding. Oh, he said, I thought you thought I needed something. <laughs> I'm thankful for those that serve, but heroism, those are the people that respond. Aren't you glad when we have a need, whether it's to protect, to serve, to save, to rescue, to provide, whatever the need is, the first responder is responsive. 1 John 3, 17, the Bible says, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Real heroism is risky. Heroes understand the sacrifice and the potential price to serve others. I was preaching a tent revival one night, over in West Virginia, maybe it was Virginia, but in that area, and I was coming back home across the mountains. My brother was working that night, and he, it, was, it was late, it was midnight as I was on my way back home, and, and uh, he said, why don't you stop and ride with me for a couple of hours? It was a whole lot of fun just riding with him, and I said, what does this button do right here? He said, well, he said, that is a radar gun. And it tells you how fast they're coming this way. I said, let's use it. <laughs> and, 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 and it's funny when you're sitting there and you, somebody goes three over. I said, we got him. He said, no, 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 it's all right, it's all right. Then all of a sudden there was a call came, a serious call. And all of a sudden he was in a rush. He said to me, now you just stay in the car with seatbelt on. Don't move, you just stay right there. And I watched as he and others put their lives in harm's way to rescue a man whose life was in danger. And I remember how my heart raced, and I told him, I said, I get too excited at church. I couldn't stand this. I couldn't put up with this. And I'm glad that my brothers have been servants as police officers, but, police officers, but heroism is risky. Last of all, I want to say heroism is rewarding. There's no greater joy than to know that you've given your life or sacrificed for others to know and to enjoy life. Or, as Brother Hazlett often says, let's not deal with the problem. Let's see what we can do to prevent the problems. And I love that.
I've often said as I speak to preachers across the nation every single week, I'll be in Kendallville, uh, Indiana, Monday and Tuesday this week, and on Thursday I'll be in Atlanta. And uh, Preachers often talk about security in church, and they always say, what do you do if this happens? What do you do if this happens? And I say, as our security director always says, let's not talk about what we're going to do if this happens. Let's talk about what we're going to do to prevent this from happening. How many lives have been saved because of a teacher because of a EMS or a fireman or a police officer has gone into a classroom to teach, how many lives have been protected from danger because of their instruction? It's a rewarding life to help others. Now, as Christians, all of us can be, as I've said, first responders. We can be responsive. Yes, sometimes there may be risk, as Paul faced going even to prison for preaching the gospel, but serving others is always rewarding as well. Stand with me, if you will. The reward of serving, according to Christ, is the greatest reward that a man can have. Let's get away from worshiping somebody that is an idol. And let's go back to being thankful for someone who is a real hero for a Bible reason. Now, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as Savior, I want you to understand something. All of us are sinners. Every person here. The best person here is a sinner. The lowest person is a sinner. All of us are sinners in the eyes of God. The penalty for that sin is death and hell. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And salvation is when we believe that Christ is our Savior and we receive His payment for our sins. We become a child of God. At the age of five years old, I prayed a simple prayer and said, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. And according to this book right here, God does what He said He would do. And He gave me eternal life. Even though our lives are protected and helped by these, all lives come to an end, some young, some old. Dear friend, you don't want to die and go to a devil's hell for all eternity. If you've never trusted Christ, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior right now. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning, you've never received Christ as Savior, you ought to pray standing right there in your seat, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. You this morning never trusted Christ. Maybe you prayed that prayer right then. Or you know you need to. In just a moment we're going to have an invitation. Brother Young is going to sing. And if you would like, we'll take the Bible. One of these men or ladies will show you here in the front. How you can know without a doubt according to the Bible that heaven is your home. I'm going to ask folks in the building today as we have our invitation, we ought to use the altar and if for no other reason we ought to thank God for our first responders and we ought to pray for their protection. Heavenly Father, bless our invitation, I pray. I pray that you'd bless your word as it's been preached today. I pray for those that do not know you as Savior that they would trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
The altar is open this morning as he sings. You want to come and pray? Perhaps you have a need, you have a burden. Perhaps you need to trust Christ as Savior. You ought to come this morning. Put your faith and trust in him. Do you know Christ as your Savior? It's a good thing for others to pray for you. Can you pray for yourself? Are you able to go to God in prayer? Oh, how we need to know Him as personal Savior. Thank God that King David took his mighty men. Though they faced difficulty and division in that day, those first responders, regardless of the difficulty they had, they still responded to the need. And the city of Kyla that day was saved. Thank God for it. As they play this morning, if there are others, perhaps you need to make a decision of trusting Christ or following the Lord in believer's baptism. Perhaps you need to make a decision of church membership, whatever the case may be. The altar is open and I invite you to come. Thank you very much. We're uh, getting ready to baptize Micah Tucker. He's 17 years old. He trusted Christ as Savior last week. Is uh, Micah's family here this morning? Raise your hand. Good, good. Friends and family, is that right? Good, good. Can you all see the interpreter better over there today? Put our platform over there. They said, this. yes, I know about five words. I know yes and I know amen. And uh, I know that. All right, you can be seated as Micah is going to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Brother Harris is going to baptize him today. Uh, Brother Harris's family is here. Those of you that don't know Brother Harris, he grew up in our church, and um, uh, he and his wife, uh, Elizabeth, they uh, went away and started a church in Elizabethtown and then later started a church in Greece, New York, and recently have come back to our area and now on staff here at our church. And all of his family are deaf. Jeff is able to hear, and uh, he is a, a tremendous interpreter and has worked uh, for various government officials and so forth, and I'm so glad uh, that he is here today uh, on our church staff. Pick up a songbook, if you will, and we'll sing a couple of verses of song, and then we'll be ready to baptize. Remain seated as we turn our songbooks to hymn number 55, At the Cross, Beginning on verse number one, hymn five, five. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ. I now baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you, Micah, and thank you to family. Let's all stand. Let me have our first responders, all of you, if, if I could dismiss you right now ahead of the crowd, and if you'll go out to the porch area. Young people, all of the uh, police cars, or a lot of them, they're lined up in the back back here. If you want to take a look at those and a fire truck out here, but first responders, you go ahead and be dismissed right now. I'm going to let you go ahead of the crowd, and I uh, want folks to be able to shake your hand, and thank you for coming and being with us today. Go ahead and give them another hand. Just tell them thank you for coming. I appreciate them so much. Very good, very good. I want to dismiss our seniors ahead of the crowd, let you go ahead of the crowd this morning. And uh, if you're a senior citizen, I'll let you go now. And we're going to be dismissed in prayer. And after uh, we pray, after we're dismissed in prayer, Brother Tim, come and lead us in prayer. Uh, we will be dismissed as soon as this prayer is finished. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this great day in your house, Lord. Thank you so much for these people who serve us, Lord. Please help us never to take them for granted, Lord, but to always appreciate what they do for us. Bless us now as we go out, Lord. Bless the buses uh, as they run, Lord. Please help us to bring in people from all over Lexington. Tell them about you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.